Okay, Isaiah 51. <clears throat> if I were to have a little coaching tip uh, on the book of Revelation, one of the coaching tips you've heard me say many, many times is that uh, Revelation pulls all the Old Testament strings together uh, in this last book of the Bible. And so our study of Revelation will be enriched not just, you know, really, who cares to know that, okay, this cup that we're going to look at, this wrath that's going to be poured out comes from Isaiah 51. That's just an academic tidbit. But when you read the context of Isaiah chapter 51 and understand the significance of it there and in Revelation 15, it takes on a whole new potency, and, uh, which it was designed to do. Okay, this is Isaiah chapter 51. Uh, the subtitle... Do you see it? I don't know if you have the one I have. My little chapter title, which I would encourage you to read as you're flipping through sections of the Bible. Read read these little titles. This one is called The Lord's Comfort for Zion. Now, was it just last week in chapter 14 where we saw standing on Mount Zion? Does anybody remember that? Flip over, and I mean, in your, does anybody remember that? If not, I'm going to quit. Because we just talked about it last... Okay, okay, fair enough. All right, you have excuses. Some of you don't. Uh, Chapter 14, the vision is, I saw standing on Mount Zion the Lamb and 144,000. And I took great efforts to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, Mount Zion stands for the people of God. Okay? Now, back into the Old Testament now, comfort for Zion. Pointing ahead, that's comfort for you this morning. Isaiah was written not to you, but for you who need to be comforted this morning. Now, take a listen. Well, as a matter of fact, look at the first word. Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. We're going, to be, we're going to look at that here in just a moment from Revelation 15. This is talking about your future, your eternal future, okay? Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me. And for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness 
will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon that we read about in chapter 12? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? He's talking about Exodus. He's talking about the redemption of uh, Israel from Egypt through the water. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies or the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? And you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit. Neither shall his head be lacking. Uh, Israel was taken away by Babylon into captivity, right? So God is comforting those captives in exile who were a subjugated people at this point. He's trying to comfort them with himself. I am the Lord your God, verse 15, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. Wake yourself. Wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. All right, verse 17. That's going to show up in Revelation 15. Uh, in Revelation 15, it is going to be applied to those who do not know God, who don't follow the Lamb, who worship the beast. This drinking of the bowl of the wrath of God. But here's the punchline of Revelation 15 and this verse too. Uh, who, who had drunk the cup of God's wrath? Well, you're skipping a step. And that's a tendency in the Old Testament you don't hear the text, the Old Testament text. You need to hear it first before you skip on to the Sunday school lesson, which is Jesus, okay? Always Jesus in Sunday school. Yes, God poured out his wrath on his own people because of their sin. They had drunk the cup of the wrath of God. And they spent 70 years in exile. The only reason why we can read Revelation 15 and join with those who are singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb is because God, like they just said, poured out His wrath, holy wrath, that you would have been consumed by, like Niagara Falls consumes the rock at the bottom. You'd be consumed by the wrath of God because of your sin were it not for the divine umbrella of the blood of Christ. That's the only reason, friends, why you don't have to fear hell, because Jesus took your hell for you in your place. Okay, uh, 
you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord Israel in exile in Babylon, you the, uh, who, who drunk the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs, the bowl, the cup of staggering, the, the bowl that you drink this wine and it makes you drunk and stagger. That's a metaphor, strong metaphor for the wrath of God. There is none to guide her. Among all the sons she has born, there is none to take her by the hand. Among all the sons she has brought up, these two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you who are afflicted, you who are drunk but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord, your God, who pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath. You shall drink no more. And I will put it into the hand of your tormentors who have said to you, bow down that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over. Uh, Israel was punished. And the perfect Israel, uh, the perfect son of God, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, his back too, verse 23, was made like the ground, and he drank that cup of staggering. All right, on to the, there's comfort in there for his people. Don't be all psyched out because your country did a hard right or left and went over the abyss, okay? Don't be all freaked out. Well, you can be freaked out about that, but God hasn't changed, Okay, God hasn't changed. He's still on the throne. Uh, he is still good and trustworthy. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 15 now. Revelation chapter 15. Uh, the title of this lesson is Wrath is Not a Four-Letter Word. You knew that, or you would figure that out if you spelled it. Uh, there's a little double entendre there. Uh, this is a prelude to the plagues or the bowls. We've said this hopefully so many times that you're going, okay, yeah, 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 I know. The middle of the book of Revelation, uh, seven seals that open the scroll, seven trumpets that warn of coming wrath, seven bowls of wrath, and they're called two things here in Revelation 15, which we'll look at in just a moment, uh, seven bowls to uh, and, and we'll see how that these, this last series of seven are unique. Uh, I, would, I would refer you to uh, the notes of chapter six, where I explain these seven, you know, these three series of seven. I, 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 I explain how that they get progressively intense. Uh, the first two series of seven, the seals and the trumpets, between the f- sixth and the seventh, there's a little interlude. When we look at the bowls or the plagues next week in chapter 16, there's, there's no break. They just, one through seven, boom, okay? Uh, that's how they're different. All right, um, let's see. So an overview of Revelation chapter 15. You may be happy to know this is the shortest chapter in the book, shortest chapter in the book of Revelation, Next time you're playing Bible trivia, uh, you can use that question. There are three parts to this chapter, and each part is uh, distinguished by this very common phrase in Revelation, and I saw. 
If, if you look at the text that I provided for you, I put it in bold. Uh, verse 1, then I saw. Verse 2, and I saw. Verse 5, after this, I looked. Uh, in Greek, it's the very same little two words, and I saw. Okay, three parts to it. Uh, I want you to notice also that this chapter is like a sandwich. Uh, bread on the top and the bottom. There's, there's, a loaf, there's a slice of bread at the... And what I mean by that is there's a theme. There's a phrase or two at the top of the chapter. And the same phrase is at the bottom of the chapter. And then there's some meat in the middle. All right? This, this chapter is like a sandwich. Three parts... Uh, Let's take a look at it. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of gold in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Revelation 15. Okay, three parts. The first part is verse 1, where John says, I saw another sign in heaven, and this sign is described with two words. What are those two words? Great and amazing. All right, now, when he says another sign, you need to know that in Greek, there are two words for another. There's a word, alos which means another of the same kind. And there's the word heteros, which means another of a different kind. And if you're familiar with the English word heterosexual, which is extremely relevant uh, this week, uh, that means uh, if I'm a heterosexual, it means I love someone different from me, which is, by the way, how God created it to be, male and female. He gave them to each other. Okay, that's a topic for a different time. Uh, so, what, which, which word do you think another is here in verse 1? I saw another sign. Do you think it was a different kind of sign or same kind of sign? 
It's the same kind of sign. It's, the word here is alas. It's a sign just like uh, some other signs in Revelation. Where have we seen any other signs in the book of Revelation? I'd be real impressed if you know. Anybody? All right, this is chapter 15. Chapter 15 is the end of this nuclear core of the book, which began in chapter, anybody know? Uh, 12. Excellent. Okay, Marilyn? Way to go. Seriously now, everybody says this. Chapters 12 through 14, chapter 15 is a hinge. It's connected with 12 through 14 and it's connected with chapter 16. It's the brilliant and beautiful way that John wrote this book. Uh, 12 through 14 is this nuclear core that explains why some of you, if not all of you, have been mildly depressed this week because this country that you love has gone in a direction that's alien to you and, and you don't like it. It's, it's heaven's viewpoint on that. We live in a world where the principalities and powers and the authority structures, even in democracy, even in this tricameral government that we have, are not redeemed and therefore subject to nefarious, satanic influences right out of the abyss of hell and the smell like smoke. Uh, I'm serious. This is what this book is designed to teach us. Not to be surprised because there's a devil that has been cast out of hell to the earth. He's enraged because he couldn't get to the son of the woman. The, the covenant community produced this Messiah. He couldn't get to Jesus. He was caught up. Go back to chapter 12. Oh, incidentally, that's where we see these signs. Chapter 12. I saw a great sign, a woman clothed with the sun, standing on the moon. You can go back and look. There are two signs, actually. Uh, one is called great. The other one, not so great, because it's the red dragon that's standing there with a catcher's mitt to get that baby when it literally comes out of the womb of the woman who is having this baby, and he wants to devour it, and he can't because God protects his son. So he gets kicked out of heaven, he's down to earth, and he's making trouble for us. Why? Why? What are we? We're just about to, uh, because we're following the Lamb, because we're trying to glorify God. He hates that. He hates that in you. That's why he wants you to just be chill, just compromise with the world, don't stand out, don't, don't take any deep breaths and cross any cultural, spiritual barriers, don't go looking to hang out with sinners just, just be depressed, you know, and don't do anything out of the ordinary. Then everything's okay. Just, just fall asleep, spiritually speaking. That's what the devil loves. Okay? That's what he loves. But if you start obeying Christ, you'll begin to experience static, friction, hostility, because that's what the devil does. All right. This is another sign like those two signs. But this sign is more than great. It's great and amazing. Okay? Three signs. That word's only used here in this book. Now, in the, in the New Testament, in a book written by the guy that wrote this book, the word sign appears very intentionally. Anybody have a guess of where that might be? Sorry? 
John. John is the book of signs. The first half of the book of John till about, I don't know, chapter 16 is the book of signs. What were the signs designed to do? Sorry? Belief in who? In Jesus, okay? What is a sign? It stands there and points. That's all it does. The sign points, okay? Uh, Yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that you are to believe in. He's the one that, that wants to be your Lord. And so these signs are pointing. Uh, chapter 12, uh, pointing to Christ and, and the enemy of Christ, the devil. Uh, this sign is great and amazing. All right. Uh, and, and this little verse is like the, the preface, you know, the superscriptions in the Psalms. You know, it's kind of a title there in a lot of the Psalms. This is a superscription for verses uh, 15 through uh, 16 or 17. Seven angels with seven plagues. I thought they were bowls. Revelation, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Uh, Well, this word here is plagues, plagos. Where in the Bible do we read about plagues? Yeah, Exodus, all right. Uh, The book of Exodus, now, you know, this is where I'm, uh, before I was saying, when in doubt, say it was Daniel or Ezekiel or Zechariah. But this section of the book, this is very significant theologically. This section of the book, you can read the introduction here. Judgment and salvation is coming. There's no salvation without judgment. Uh, It's coming. And so, like Exodus, these, these themes are being drawn from Exodus, and they're being put to work here in Revelation 15 and following because God showed himself to be the only God, sovereign over all other powers, and he's a God of redemption, okay? And he used plagues to do that, and so we're going to see plagues here coming up in chapter 16. Seven angels, seven, what's seven all about? Why are there seven? Sorry? Sorry? Completion, fullness, fullness, uh, not only that, but we're told, verse 1, these are the last because the wrath of God is going to be finished. Y'all like that word finished because that's the word Jesus used when he's on the cross. When he says it is finished, same word here. The wrath of God fully poured out. Uh, we sang a song about the wrath of God this morning. Uh, I wrote it down so I could not have to remember it. The Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus, thank you. Okay, Uh, more we could say here, but look at this song. Okay, that's the first slice of bread, first slice of bread, seven angels, seven plagues, wrath. Look at the last slice of bread, verses seven and eight, seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, verse eight, seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. The concept of being finished, the concept of wrath, the concept of seven bowls, that's the bread in this sandwich of uh, Revelation chapter 15. Let's look at the meat. The meat is right in the middle, beginning uh, verse 3 and 4. Well, first of all, 
look at the uh, venue where this song is sung. There's a sea of glass in verse 2. Where have you seen a sea of glass before in Revelation? Yeah, that's right. Surely, chapter 4, around the throne, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Okay, and they said, holy, holy, holy. How about that? That song is coming out of Revelation. Uh, So, sea of glass, yeah, chapter 4. That's where God is on the throne. Who's up there with him? Standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God uh, in their hands. Does that mean God handed them out? Maybe. Uh, Do you know what a harp is? It's not a goofy little cherub with a fat butt and little wings sitting on a little cloud going, bling, bling. How boring could that possibly be? No. It's a banjo. It's a guitar. It's hoedown music. It's foot stomping, hand clapping, tambourine banging, celebration music. What? In the midst of the wrath of God? Who's celebrating when God's wrath is being poured out? Anybody? His people. Take a look. Uh, who, who is, who's singing the song? Middle of verse 2. Those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name. Conquered, that's the key word in chapters 2 and 3. If you're faithful to the point of death, you will conquer like Jesus did. Okay, So they didn't worship the beast and the image and the number of its name. Some of them paid the ultimate price for that. All of them were excluded. All of them were you know, living countercultural. And so here's, here's the song that they're singing, uh, verses 3 and 4. It's a praise to God. Uh, It's a theodicy. Do you know what that is? A theodicy. Theodike. Dikaios is righteous. Theodicy is to make God righteous. Why do we have to do that? Because he's pouring out wrath. He must be a bad guy. No, he's not. He's righteous. And that's what is being said here. God, you're righteous. The world deserves what you're getting ready to pour out on them. Justin, uh, great and amazing are your deeds. Amazing like the sign in verse 1. Just and true are your ways. The response to fear, glorify your name. You're holy. You're the only one holy. All nations will come and worship you. Uh, Your righteous acts have been revealed. That's the song that's being sung. Uh, in the midst of wrath, there is singing. We think of wrath a lot of times, or a lot of people think of wrath as bad, uh, but without wrath, there's no salvation. God poured His wrath out on His Son. His Son took it all. His Son died. And God, in His infinite justice and holiness, says, My holiness has been satisfied. The penalty has been fully paid by my son. So when I come to you with all your sin, I can forgive you. I can relate to you the way I relate to my blessed son because you're clothed in his righteousness and not your own. So you too can join those people around the throne singing God's ways are just and good.
So uh, if your theology doesn't include uh, God's holiness and love confronting sin, which produces wrath, it's kind of a chemical equation, holiness, sin equals generates wrath. Okay, uh, that needs to be a part of your theology uh, because his holiness is never compromised one iota. Uh, and instead of all this sappy, sentimental, you know, I feel so good and I'm not alone anymore. I heard it. I, I, I was listening to Christian radio on the way here and I turned it off. It's so sappy. Uh, this is this this has verve and potency to it. God's wrath is coming, uh, and we have the opportunity now to avoid and escape it only one way. The same way the Israelites put the door, put the blood on the lentils of the door, the blood of the slain lamb to escape the angel of death. That's how we can escape the wrath of God, by trusting in the lamb who was slain. So in this day where uh, your faith may have been, or at least your heart may have been discouraged, uh, keep your eyes on the Lamb, uh, because uh, around the throne, there's joyful singing by those, some of whom have paid the ultimate price for their faith. That is designed to help you uh, rejoice in the Lord always. That's, that's designed to do that. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this section of your word, and we ask that you would use it uh, as you have done through the centuries to comfort your people and strengthen them to walk boldly uh, into and through the fire and maybe out of it uh, with Jesus Christ right by our side. We pray this in his name. Amen.